Man, I am so stoked for today. Today we begin a new series just entitled Jesus. Jesus. I mean, what a better topic to talk about in church than Jesus. And so if some of you saw my post last night, and I want to encourage you, if you see the church post come up about, hey, excited about Sunday service, share that thing. Share it on your page, or if you see it on Instagram, put it in your story so that those around you can see. It's another way for people to see an invite to church to come, and, and you never know. Somebody might be scrolling through and be like, man, I've heard about Jesus, but I've never met Jesus. I want to go to Journey Church and hear more about Him and meet Him, and uh, it's just a great opportunity. But I shared it, and I kind of put the walkout for this month, that Jesus is our example, that Jesus is our friend, Jesus is our Lord. And he is just so good. And so we're going to walk over these things through the coming weeks. I can't, listen, for those of you in this room that have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, y'all understand there is no way in one month we could ever even scratch the surface of who he is and how wonderful he is. But I wanted to start with Jesus, our example. But I want to start with first, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You see, a lot of times... I think that we sing praise to Jesus for most people in church in your mind is that 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 picture of that guy hanging on that cross that you can wear around your neck. I think a lot of people's pictures of Jesus is him hanging on the cross for them. And that is an incredible thing that he did for us. And that is something that he came to the earth. And we're going to talk about it in just a little bit. But can I tell you something? There's so much more to Jesus than just the cross. There's so much more to his goodness and how wonderful he is, and we're going to talk about some of those things, you're going to go, man, he really did do that. He really did set it up for me. He really did come to show me how to live this life. He did so many wonderful things, but we've got to get to a place that where we sing a song, where Pastor Hope stands up here, or anyone leading worship, and they're like, just give your praise to Jesus. Some of us don't go beyond, thank you for dying on the cross for me, which again, that is an incredible thing to praise Jesus about. There are sometimes we can lose sight of what he did on the cross, but again, that can't just be the end of it. It cannot be the end of it on the cross. That is not the end. I, I make this statement every time I talk about this, and it's a, I'm stealing it from Pastor Hannah. I got one more, one more time from Hannah Irby's message, and then it's mine. But she was like, if salvation was the end goal, as soon as you got saved, he'd take you to heaven. But that's not the end goal, ladies and gentlemen. There's so much more to this life and so much more to Jesus than the cross. So we're going to talk about it today. Who is Jesus? And we're going to talk about who Jesus is. And I keep saying is because he's alive and well. He's not still dead. I love when we read through scripture and you see where the prophets are like, your hope is in a lifeless piece of wood. There's no breath in that idol. Because so many times people would worship like these carved images and people still worship things like that today. And we serve a God who is alive and well. That came to this earth and did this for us. So talking about Jesus, I want to start with this. Jesus is one part of the Trinity. Okay? One part of the Trinity, which is, um, which is God. Godhead. Trinity. Now I'm going to explain it to you in just a second. Some of you have heard this. Some of you haven't. But I just want to assume we're going to just build a foundation here. Okay? So Jesus, Jesus is one part. This is the Godhead. Let me explain it like this. There's an egg. Anybody in here ever boiled an egg before? Hard-boiled an egg or ate one or seen one in your life. I mean, come on, we're in the South. You should have at least had a deviled egg. I mean, come on. Something. Y'all know those were boiled first, right? Okay. They didn't just come out that way. But there's a boiled, hard-boiled egg. If I take that one egg, there are three parts to that one egg. There is a shell. There is a 
albumin, I hope I said that right, but it's the white part, and then there's a yolk. There are three parts, but it is still one egg. See what I'm saying? So there are three parts to God. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about this Trinity, this triune God, we are talking about it is a Godhead, it is one, but there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they all have their special work that they do as God. Okay, so let me talk to you about it for a second. Let me give you some scripture. This isn't something Pastor Timothy just came up with. Genesis 1, 26. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 26. This is at the very beginning in the creation story. It says, then God said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, so this is God Speaking to himself, to, to the, it's the Godhead speaking to themselves, saying, let us create man in our image. Okay, y'all see that? That's in Genesis 1, 26. Okay, that's great, but that doesn't still show me that Jesus is God. Okay, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. John chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3. And I'm kind of slowing down right here because I do want to teach before we just dive into the meat, okay? Because again, I do understand some people are newer to this and they're just, it, let's get a full picture. Let's get a full picture of who God is and who Jesus is. John 1, verse 1 through 3 says this In the beginning was the Word, okay? And the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things are made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Okay, that's cool. But how do we know that the Word was Jesus? A couple verses down to verse 14. Let me, can I tell you all something? If you would just read the Bible, more than just the one verse you see, that's where a lot of people miss context of things. They go, man, this is what it says. And then you go, actually, if you'd read the three verses after or the three before, you'd see that's actually not in the right context. God didn't come to confuse us or to make it to where you have to have an education to understand what the Word of God says. He wants to answer it for you. So a few verses down, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? So we've established that Jesus is God. He is a part of the Trinity. He is the Son. That's what we just read. That's what we just set up, okay? Just a couple more scriptures that you can write down. Luke 3, 22 says, And the Holy Spirit descended upon Him, Jesus, in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my, who is the Father, beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. So this is a picture where we see all three represented. Because again, people are like, where is it at in scripture? Right here, Luke 3, 22, you see all three parts represented in one moment, okay? So there are three parts to God. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit all have their own special work. And then Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are just a few, just examples to, to set up that foundation of Jesus is God. He's a part of the Trinity. He is the Son that came. Son of the Father. Okay? So, we have this where they said, let's create man in our image. And they make Adam and Eve, they get into the, the garden, the snake comes along, 
and deceives Eve into eating the apple. So Eve has now decided, I'm not going to do what God told me. I'm going to do it for myself. He said, don't eat of this fruit. She said, well, I'm going to try it because it looks good. So I'm going against the way God intended it for it. And in that moment, their eyes were open. Sin entered the world. Okay? So in that moment, and I always tell people this, don't judge Eve because we probably all would have done it too. We do it every day. There are things that the Lord tells us not to partake in, and we're like, man, it just looks so good, and we partake in it and then go, whoa. And then our eyes are open to this realization that he was just trying to protect us. He wasn't keeping anything from me. He was protecting me. He knew that if I ate that fruit and my eyes were open, now i got to go dig in the ground. Now i got to go through childbirthing labor pains. i got to go through all of these things. And all he did was just tell me not to eat this one thing. Reflection into our lives. Don't touch that. Don't go there. And then we do it and we're like, man, there's so much pain and heartache that comes with this. There's so much responsibility that comes with this. There's so much shame that came with that. There's so much emotional warfare that now I have to fight because of this situation. Like, God is not saying, I don't want you to have fun. He's saying, I see the big picture. I'm trying to keep you safe. So, this happens. Now a redemption plan needs to come in place because this severed the relationship between God and man. This hurt that. Because his intentions were for us to live unified with him. He would come down, walk in the midst of the garden with Adam and Eve each day. So now... There's a redemption plan. And so the son now comes to walk on the earth. Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. Y-E-S-H-U-A. Yeshua, which means to deliver or to rescue. His very name means to deliver and to rescue. Thank God that he had a plan to deliver me and to rescue me. Thank God that he had a plan to deliver me and to rescue me. So his name is Yeshua, and he comes. But he didn't just come to deliver and rescue us. He also came to teach us how to live a kingdom of heaven lifestyle on the earth. He taught us that there is a kingdom outside of this earthly kingdom that we can function and live in while living on the earth. So if we watch his example, we understand we don't have to wait to heaven to live a certain way. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like... ba 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 ba. Why did he say that? Because he wants to teach you that even though you're in the midst of this kingdom of earth, you can still function in the kingdom of heaven on earth because you're a citizen of that kingdom. When you, if you think about kingdom days, if you were empowered by the king with his ring and his, you functioned as, as from that kingdom. You didn't follow the rules. It's like an embassy. When you go to another country and you step into that place uh, of U.S. soil, you are, you are, you are in the United States. At that point, whether you're in another country or not, it's the same thing. Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who have been redeemed by Jesus, everywhere you step is kingdom of heaven land. Everywhere you go. When you walk into a room and there's nothing but lost people inside of that room, heaven just entered that room because I showed up. Because I'm a carrier of the very spirit of God. So when I step in, everything else got to get out of the way because I have the authority that doesn't come through me, but it comes through Jesus. Because I have been granted that access to do that. So when we sing, man, how good are you, God? You're so good that when I walked in the midst of sin or pain or hurt or brokenness and it's my family, I don't have to identify that way because you gave me access to live in the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. There's more to my song than you died on the cross for me. There's more to my shout than just that. And he deserves more because he is good. 
And so I'm getting, man, I'm just getting fired up. I'm like, like pent up, man, because Jesus has done so much. He has done so much. And a lot of people live their life not tapping into this. There's so much more for you to tap into. There's so much more for you to tap into. Oh, man. So he's come to earth. He's living his natural life. He gave up his godly status to come and live as a human. There were so many times that he could have just been like, you know what, I'm out. Tap me out, God. He actually asked him to right before he died on the cross, for those that don't know. He's like, please take this cup from me. It's too much to bear. But again, as we'll see our example, he said, but no, it's not what I want. Not my will, but your will be done. So today we're going to look at Jesus as our example. We know that Jesus came to be our example for many reasons. He always said the kingdom of God is like. He handled everything very different than, he, than we as humans would naturally handle things. And we, we've had this conversation with couples before too, and this is something that when we went on the Atlanta trip, the Atlanta Dream Center trip a couple years ago, it was shared to us like you talk about the gospel, but if you see in Scripture before Jesus goes on the cross, they're sharing the gospel. If you pay attention, he sends them out to go share the gospel, the good news, the 70, and they come back. He hadn't died on the cross yet. He is trying to share the good news that there is a kingdom of heaven way that we can live our life and that we can function as citizens of that here on earth and that that redemption is close. That redemption is close. And now we have that redemption because he died on the cross. I know I'm throwing, I'm throwing, I feel like I'm chunking like, like big old meat at you right now and y'all are like let me put that away and chew on it later I would encourage you go back and watch listen to what I'm, I'm trying to tell you it's all in scripture I'm not trying to tell you what I think about it I'm just trying to say what the Lord is saying through his word today because I, want, I don't want us to be uneducated followers of Jesus I don't want us to just celebrate the cross I want us to celebrate the fact that we're citizens of heaven but we know also that we can be that he's our example by 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I saw Jesus do this. I'm going to do it too. Now y'all follow my example because I'm following his example. And also in Matthew 16.24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He is calling us into a relationship to put down our way of things and follow His example. That's Matthew 16, 24. I want to stop right here for just a moment and tell you the call to discipleship is not to just observe, take notes, then go out on your own. When Jesus called those disciples to follow Him, He was calling them into an experience. He called them to see the ups and the downs, to see the good days and the not-so-good days. You see, being a good example isn't always being perfect, but it's being transparent and real. It is being transparent and real. He brought those guys along with him when he went to pray because he wanted to show them there are moments we've got to get away and we've got to get alone with the Father. There are times that we have to do it. You can see it through the Gospels. And before the sun would rise, the Lord would go and spend time with the the Father. Like He's showing these examples of all these different things. And as Pastor Jack mentioned earlier, they're like, hey, send them home. He's like, no, you feed them. Well, we ain't got nothing to feed them. What do we got? Let me show you what we're supposed to do with it. Put it in my hands. Now that it's in my hands, 
it's going to multiply. That's an example, ladies and gentlemen. Let me write that down. Lord, the next time I need something to multiply, I'm going to put it in your hands and I'm going to take mine off of it and see what you do. There's more to this life. There's so much more to this life living for Jesus. He's so good. And for so long, the, the big C church has painted this like, I'm going to strike you dead, Jesus. Hmm. Oh, it's so good. Your relationship with Jesus will never go any deeper until you go from transaction relationship until experience Jesus in his fullness. Let me just take a quick note, plug and play a couple numbers, and if it doesn't work, didn't work, I'll go back and try again. Versus, Lord, I'm here, I'm waiting on you. I want to see how you want to do this. So what do you mean by this, Pastor? How do we do it? Those disciples didn't just hear about his love. They felt it and they saw it. Those disciples didn't just see his heart for the lost. They felt it and they saw it. Those disciples didn't just hear about his compassion. They felt it and they experienced it. We have to get to a place that we are so much more in love with Jesus and spending so much time with him that we aren't only reading about these things, but we're experiencing them ourselves in our own life. We get there by reading the word daily, by spending time in prayer. And what that means is talking and listening. Sitting and waiting sometimes. I observe today while we're, we're singing about waiting on the Lord, it's quiet. But when we start declaring my chain's going to fall and all this stuff's going to go down, we start shouting. Because we want all the promises, but sometimes those promises come through waiting. And we're not patient people. God, you, you're the God of the universe. Fix it. Fix it quick. And Jesus is going, man, sometimes in that waiting, I got so much more to teach you. If you really need to learn something, parents in the room, or from some of you, you learn from your parents, they said you need to figure it out on your own. So that when you do it the wrong way and you have to fix it again, I bet you ain't going to do it the wrong way next time. But if I pay to get it fixed, you're just going to keep doing it. I'll never forget when I had to start paying for my own gas. I mean, it ain't like it is now, but still. When I had to start paying for my own gas, guess who didn't go everywhere? This guy right here. Because I had to learn, gas doesn't just appear in your tank. Guys, patience don't just appear in your heart. Walking in promises and in faith don't just happen. It comes through trials and situations. But what he's promised is he will stick with you through it all. We've got to get to a place where we're doing this. So we're talking and we're listening in our prayer time. Listen, we, we experience him by being involved in church. By doing what he did. Listen, catch this. When you love like Jesus loved, you feel his love. When you serve like Jesus served, you feel his heart to serve. When you forgive like he forgave, you experience his heart also. Not only is he doing it to you, but when you go and you turn it outwards... I cannot explain it to you, but when you're standing in the middle of a community sweating, just handing out hamburgers and hot dogs, saying Jesus loves you, there is this love that begins to come up inside of you, and it is not our own, because there is nothing good. In a, I am nothing without you, God. So as we begin to hand out, it's more than doing this. Our tank of God's love is being filled up, and it's like, oh man, I don't even know these people, but I love them so much. That's Jesus' love. You're experiencing it. So many times we just want to stand there and say, just pour it out on me. Pour it out on me. And he's like, no, go, do, and watch me pour it out. 
You are a vessel that I'm going to pour into to be used. That's not just to hoard it and hold on to it. It's to say, Jesus, I'm going to show your heart to everyone else. Your compassion, your forgiveness, your love. Some experiences will be directed at you and other experiences will be capturing his heart about something. Sometimes you just got to capture his heart about it. Sometimes you just got to try it. It's like tithing. It's like serving. Why would I give up my Sunday to sit in the sanctuary to love on a kid in the nursery? Because, man, when you get done and that mom comes back and she's got tears running down her face because she accepted Jesus because you watched her baby, the love of Jesus overflows. And that heart of compassion and that aha clicks. And you're like, I'll be back on my next Sunday to serve. I'll be early. I'm ready. You tell them to bring them babies to me. When you stand at the door and you greet and somebody walks in, they've had a, like, a morning of hell. And they just are here. And you look at them and you go, hey, how's it going? Man, it's been rough. Let's talk about it. Can I pray for you today? And you lay hands on them and you watch that weight be lifted. You go, I just experienced someone picking up the yoke and the burden of Jesus that are light and easy. Oh, that's cool. You experience him through being like him and through him doing it for you. He's so good that he's called you to a personal relationship with him, a Garden of Eden relationship to walk and talk in the cool of the day. So what does is, what is being example look like? Okay, I want to I kind of turn your attention back to Matthew 16 real quick. Everybody awake this morning? Y'all doing all right? Y'all really quiet. Man, this is about to be a good series, guys. That's my introduction to the whole series. And I got like 10 minutes left. (laughs) This is a great opportunity to invite somebody to come meet Jesus, to see him in a new light. This is a great opportunity to do that. Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24. Okay? We'll read it to you. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, that's kingdom living. If I lose it, how do I gain it? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. The kingdom of heaven does not make sense in the earth. It does not make sense. That's why Jesus came to teach us. But I want to point out one thing. When you go to follow someone's example, you have to deny yourself. You have to deny yourself. You have to say, I've tried doing it my way. I've got to put that aside and I've got to follow Jesus. I have to follow Jesus. Jesus. To follow someone's example, you have to deny yourself. You cannot do it your way. You have to do it His. And I want to tell you this too. From this scripture, He has called you to follow Him. Which means, all that He's called you to, He's already gone before you and He's left an example at every turn. He's not calling you to do something He hasn't already done. He's just saying, just follow my example. Just watch and see how I walk and I talk and how I deal with things in certain situations and circumstances. Follow me. Where I'm calling you to, I'm already there. I've already won the victory. You just come follow my example, take in that victory, and continue to press forward. I'm not calling you to die on a cross. I'm not calling you to die 
and to suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to go through some things. But we read that with this like slated like church mindset of like, oh, Lord, I got to deny everything in my life. I got to walk around and go, oh, holy, 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 holy all my life. No, I'm just living in such a way that I got a cross. I have put all of my pride on that cross. I have put all of my self thoughts on that cross. I have put all of my heartache on that. I put everything on that cross. And now I'm following Jesus. With a pure heart, with a pure heart, and I'm following an example. He is good. He's so good. He's not calling you to a place he hadn't already been. I'm going to say that again. He's not calling you to a place he hasn't already been. So those of you that are needing to take that step of faith, following, following, following. So here's some practical examples of Jesus that we can begin to follow. You ready? Now, I want to disclaimer this. Before you take your notes, just write this in there. Number one. I cannot give you all of them because, one, we don't have time. We don't have time to just stand up here and give you every example that Jesus set for us. But I'm going to give you some practical ones today. Two, you need to do some discovery of your own. You need to read your Bible and go, man, what are some examples I can follow of Jesus? Get a translation you can understand that breaks it down for you. Find a buddy and go, hey, I'm about to read some of this gospel. Can Can I call you and talk to you about what I read? Get in a journey group. When they open discussion before they start on the, the main discussion. Hey, I got a question. This week I was reading in John and I saw where Jesus did this. Can you help explain it to me a little bit? That's why journey groups are important. So here's the first one. You ready for this? Servanthood. Servanthood. And we're going to talk about this one more on week three. Jesus, our servant. A servant. Not ours, but a servant. John 13, 14 through 15. John chapter 13, verse 14 through 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. I have shown you that servant leadership is key. That yes, I am your Lord and your teacher, but I'm not beyond serving you. So you should not be on serving anyone else. Servant leadership. And like I said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna like, y'all know how you can zoom in on something on the iPhone or on the iPad and use it? We're going to zoom in on that one, week three. We're going we're gonna to break it down. The next one, this one, there's a bunch of them. So I'm just going to let you write 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. For what credit is it if... When you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. What does that mean, Pastor? Why am I going to give you a pat on the back when you got what you deserved? Why, why should you receive a pat on the back? Because you endured pain that you put on yourself. Okay? That's what that says. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps in his steps he committed no sin neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled he did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly man there is a gold mine here y'all ready for some of these examples one we see if you are suffering for something you didn't do endure it as jesus did endure it while jesus did like Jesus did. He didn't sin. 
But he still went to the cross for it. At any moment, he could have been like, you know what? I ain't even do this. Why am I even up here? Why am I even going through this season? I'm paying for things that I didn't even walk through. It's like, no, you know what? There is a purpose and a will behind it. I'm going to push through. I'm going to endure this moment. We see committing no sin. He lived a life of holiness and righteousness. We see, um, we see deceit, which is concealing or misrepresenting the truth not being in his mouth. He didn't lie. He didn't manipulate and twist the truth to get his way. He just spoke truth. When he had haters, he didn't hate back. When he had haters, he didn't hate back. Haters going to hate. Let them hate. Let them hate because there's a reason they're looking at your life because it's better than theirs. <laughs> if you got time to watch mine with a bag of popcorn, something wrong with your life. <laughs> I don't have time to do that with you because I got other things that I got to do. It says it right there. I mean, it doesn't say haters going to hate. <laughs> that's, that's Pastor Timothy's uh, translation of what was said because it did, he did. Um, hold on. I'm looking at the wrong one. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When they said things at him that were hurtful, he didn't shoot back. He didn't have to cut with his words back. Some of that, that can set you free today. That can set you free today. When he was suffering, he didn't make a hit list of who's going to feel my wrath. It says when he suffered, he did not threaten. He did not make a hit list of who's going to feel his wrath. Church, too many people have left the church because you have made a hit list because they need to feel your wrath because of what they did to you. Many people in your family don't want to hear about Jesus because of the hit list you made about them, about the wrath that you were going to feel from them because they didn't handle something the way you felt it should have been handled. Jesus says that he said it, he did not do that. He didn't threaten when he suffered. He knew that there was more to it than that. So you've got to be careful and don't begin to make this thing, this list of like, man, you're going to feel my wrath. You hurt me, I'm about to hurt you back. That's not kingdom living. Let the Lord fight that. Let the Lord fight that. Let the Lord fight that. Set somebody free today. I'm going to say it again. Let the Lord fight that. Take that list and rip it up and throw it away. I don't care if it's a real one. If it ain't a real one, do it today. Sit down and write that list of people you've been trying to get them to fill your wrath. Rip that thing up and throw it in the trash or burn it and say, not today, Satan. I am following the example of Jesus. And when he reviled, he did not revile back. He did not hate back. He did not threaten. Haters going to hate. And I ain't got time for haters. He waited on the Father. And I love this last part. He entrusted himself to God knowing that he will justly judge when the time comes. Entrusting himself to him who judges justly. God, you see my heart. You know. These people might not know, but I don't care because you are the one that judge my days. You are the one that sees me in the darkness. You are the one that saw all of my days and wrote them in a book. You are so much better than I am, and I just want to trust in you because you judge justly. And I might have a slanted feeling towards someone and I don't ever want to run someone away from Jesus because I want to get back at them. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Last two right here. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Can I tell you something? He didn't throw stones at the woman in sin. The only person in that entire crowd that had the opportunity to throw a stone, he didn't take it. Those that don't know the story, there was a lady caught in adultery. All the church people threw her before Jesus and said, we caught her in this. I got a lot more questions. Where was y'all at? (laughs) Y'all was hiding in the curtains or something? Did y'all set her up? That's religious people for you. They're going to make a trap and watch you fall in it. Feeling that one. I'm going to let that one sit for a second. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but, right, but she comes in and they say, you know, this lady was caught in it. And of course, adultery, you're supposed to be stoned for adultery. That was the law of the land, the earth's way of dealing with things. And he's drawn in the sand, not really talking about what he was doing in the sand, but he said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He who hadn't broken the law in this room, he who hadn't done something wrong, you you got every right to throw a stone at her. But if you have, you have no right to throw a stone. Hear me, church. He who has not sinned, throw the first stone. We all in here needed grace to save us. So we have no right to throw stones at anyone. And the very one that has the power and the authority to do it says, I see no wrong Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Where are your accusers? There are none. They've all left. The one that could throw it, I want you to know I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't throw stones. But what he did do is he spoke to it, corrected it, and then moved on. And moved on. And he showed grace first. Not you better get right before I give you this salvation. I'm going to love you through grace and through mercy we got to put our stones down and quit throwing them at people who are in sin because he who is without sin cast the first stone. Thank you for that. And here's the last one. Here's the last one I want to give you before today. Did I say the series is going to be good? Oh, I love talking about Jesus. Oh, I love talking about Jesus. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. Oh, man. Mm. Y'all hang on for this one. Y'all hang on for this one. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, some hear that and go, you're hitting the hardest examples today, Pastor. You're right. I wanted to pick a couple of these out that were difficult to walk through because it's really easy to be like, man, we can believe for the fish and the loaves. We can believe for certain of these things. But when we hear something like love like Jesus loved, forgive as Jesus forgave. But I want to tell you this. He's not asking you to do something he hasn't already done. And let me remind you, he did it for you too. He did it for you too. He forgave you. It says right here, as he forgave you. And then the last part is there, these are not to break you into submission and make it impossible. These are to bring you to true freedom. These are to bring you to true freedom. That's the way Jesus came to live his life was to bring us into true freedom. Because if we hold on to things, 
it will keep us from heaven. How can we be forgiven when we haven't forgiven? Now, a couple things. Praise team, y'all go ahead and come up while I'm talking about this just for a second. Now, Jesus doesn't run around going, I need you to ask for your forgiveness from me. He doesn't hold it in their face. He doesn't hold it in our face. And let me tell you this. If there's someone in your heart that you need to forgive, forgive them and let's move on. Okay? Let's forgive them and move on. I know a lot of times we hear, well, you need to go tell that person that you've forgiven them. But you know what that does? That causes a lot of, lot of mess. A lot of wake. When you walk up to somebody that's just been living their life, has not done any deceitful thing towards you, and you go, I forgive you, it's like, what? And some of y'all, this has been taught in church, like go to them and tell them that you forgive them and live that. And I'm like, that coming into and somebody coming up to you going, I forgive you. And they're like, dude, I, I thought I loved you with everything I had in me. Like what? Then they start questioning their life and then they start changing how they're doing. Th- and they're just like, I don't even. And Jesus is like, you, it just they took it the wrong way. You took it the wrong way sometimes. And that's OK. It's OK to say, you know what? I forgive them in my heart and I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to be a grown-up about Jesus. They ask for forgiveness. Maybe that person doesn't necessarily have to ask it from you, but you've got to forgive them. You've got to let that thing go. You've got to let that thing go. Now, there are issues. There are times. There, and this is why sometimes we don't talk on these issues because there are some finicky things. There are times you, when somebody comes to forgive you, you did do it. You can't be like, I didn't know that. I was just loving you. No, you wasn't. Them words were not words of love. Those words were not lo- words of compassion and of, of Jesus. Those were, you meant to cut me. And we have to address those things. If you've got a problem with someone, it says, go to them and talk to them about it in those instances. But when it's one of those things that you just ask the Lord, Lord, was this something that I just took wrong? I'm going to forgive him for it. And I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to be a grown person about it because I don't want to like destroy their, their whole life because I just heard it wrong. Felt it wrong experienced it wrong. Maybe that wasn't their heart, God. But all I know is I want my heart to be clear of it. I want my heart to be clear of it. I want it to, I I don't want it in me because what happens is now my whole life is slanted towards that person. And Jesus wants to bring true freedom. Man, he's such a great example. He's such a great example. And so today we're going to have altar time. For some in the room, there's a couple of things that I'm going to call you for today couple things. I actually want to turn this back on so I don't lose them. For some of you, you need to enter a personal relationship with Jesus. For some of you, you haven't even asked him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. You're living in that sin. You've allowed it to separate you from him. Or for some of you, you've made that decision, but you've made choices to walk away from that. And you need to come back into that relationship. Today, you can do that. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of those things. If you're in the room today and you've never prayed that prayer before, there is a Jesus that sees all those things that you've done and he loves you beyond those things. That's why he came and did what he did. And then to set the example so that when you say yes to him, you can now live this life for him. You can now live this life beyond just survive until you die. Then there are some in the room today that you need to follow the Lord's examples in more than one of the ways that I mentioned. Maybe it is the forgiveness. Maybe it is I haven't been showing love the way Jesus would show love. 
Maybe for some of you in the room today, it's, man, you know what? I got a list of haters that is two miles long, and I've been going one by one, trying to let them know that I, I don't like them, or I'm trying to pay them back for what they did to me, and I need to take that thing, and I need to get rid of it today. I need to throw that thing away. That is not downplay what they did to you. Hear me. Does not downplay what they did or the pain or the destruction that it brought in your life, but it's you saying, it's kept me captive too long and there's a key and his name is Jesus to be able to get out of that prison. And he wants to follow me. I've had people accuse me of things I didn't do before. I had somebody sit at my table and eat my food and I washed his feet and he still betrayed me. Follow me. I know how you feel. I lived it. I showed you the example. Today, we can say, I want to follow the example of Jesus. And then for some of you, you need to just come and meet with Jesus. Maybe some of you, we didn't do altar time earlier. We're going to do it now. But if you came with a need today, you're just like, man, I just need to meet with Jesus. I just had a week, man. My family, it's, it's been rough. My finances have been rough. My sickness, whatever it may be. And you just need to come today and, 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 and be prayed over. We want to give you that opportunity today. So if you will, everybody in the room, stand with me.